whenever you're ready. Cool. All right, so like they said, my name's Peter. Um, a few things that will be important for like my style of teaching, the way that I teach. So I usually teach middle schoolers, and middle schoolers have an attention span that is very tiny and very small, very, very small. Uh, I've learned with teaching them that they work a lot better with like interaction, and so a lot of the way that I teach, I will be asking you guys to talk at some point while I am teaching. Hopefully, you won't be like the middle schoolers and just stare at me blankly when I ask you a question, and you'll <laughs> maybe you'll actually respond. And if you respond with something that is dumb, I might make fun of you, but I probably won't make fun of you because middle schoolers don't. That, that doesn't work out very well. So I've learned not to make fun of people when I'm teaching um, because that works a lot better. Um, yeah, uh, let's, let's pray and then get started. God, thank you so much for your love for us. God, I pray that you would be present tonight, that you would speak to us and that we would hear from you. In your name we pray, amen. So I have been going through a book on the Ten Commandments with the middle schoolers this summer and I really enjoyed what I taught a couple weeks ago on the second commandment. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about the second commandment that is in Exodus chapter 20. So let's read that as I figure out how slides work. All right. So uh, this is the, the second commandment. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. So there's a couple things that we learn from the second commandments, a couple things that I really just noticed that, that really stood out to me. Uh, the first thing is that the Ten Commandments are about more than just a group of rules. It's more than some external guidelines and trying to modify our behavior and trying to fix the way that we act. They go deeper than what's on the outside and they point to what's going on in our heart. Our approach to God and to his commandments and to what he requires from us often points to a dead and lifeless heart. And the goal in the Ten Commandments is to restore that, is to redeem that, is to point us towards the fact that we are dead, that we are broken, that we need God to provide a way to follow after him and a way to approach him. Because the Ten Commandments also point towards an abundant life in Jesus, to the abundant and joyful source of life that is in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus is the only one who can properly follow God, who can only, the only one who can properly follow um, his commandments. Uh, I also noticed that God cares a lot about how we view him, which isn't really surprising. Um, that makes sense that, that God cares about how we worship him, cares about how we approach him. But I thought that that kind of stuck out in this, in this commandment. He's deeply, deeply jealous for his worship and his glory. Uh, the next thing that I noticed is that idol worship is very contagious. There's uh, a line here that's kind of the reasons why this is one of the Ten Commandments, the reasons why this is one of the things that God asks of us. And it's because this affects the third and to the fourth generations. There's lots of examples through the Old Testament, especially, uh, of like the kings of Israel and when they kind of go astray and all the consequences that it has in the country, the country of Israel getting broken and broken 
and just kind of more falling apart as the consequences of David's faithlessness, of Solomon's faithlessness, and then the more king's faithlessness just kind of shows in the generations that follow after them. But I also noticed, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but God talks about in the second commandment visiting iniquity on three and four generations later, but the blessings are even more. The blessings are described, it's, it says that he shows steadfast love to thousands of those who love him and keep his commandments. So the idea of the blessings that are conveyed in, in the Ten Commandments and in following this commandment are, even, are infinitely more and infinitely bigger than any of the negative consequences for, for not worshiping God. And so this, this commandment causes me to, and should cause us to ask a few questions for how we approach worshiping God, for how we see the distinction between God as creator and everything else that is, has been created. And then, uh, do any of you guys know, kind of, a, have you guys heard the story of Exodus as, as God is kind of leading his people out of, out of Egypt, is rescuing his people and the, the people of Israel get to a mountain and Moses goes up onto a mountain and that's where God is giving him the Ten Commandments. Do any of you guys know what is going on with the people as Moses is up on the mountain? They get kind of bored and they're like, oh, what should we do? And they're like, oh, we should build something else to worship. Yes, they are like middle schoolers, very small attention spans. Uh, <laughs> they have just been rescued in a marvelous and amazing way by God and then they start to wander a little bit. So as Moses is receiving the Ten Commandments his people are at the bottom of the mountain doing this. And I'll read this. This is from Exodus uh, 32. When the people saw that Moses delayed to come down from the mountain the people gathered themselves together to Aaron and said to him, Up! Make us gods who shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. So Aaron said to them, Take off the rings of gold that are in the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the rings of gold that were in their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he received the gold from their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool and made a golden calf. And they said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow shall be a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early the next day and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. So my understanding of this has always been like that. that, So it's very clear that Israel is doing something bad here. But my understanding has always been that this is something that is about the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. And the more that I read this and like kind of look at some, some things that other smarter people than me have talked about it, this actually isn't about the first commandment. It's about the second commandment. It's about what's going on with, uh, with Moses right now. And so the first commandment is don't worship anything other than God. The second commandment is don't worship anything that's, that's less than God, that's smaller than God. Don't take God and make him out to be different from what he actually is. And so the people here are saying, okay, we don't know where God is. We don't know where Moses is. Let's make a representative of the God who just brought us out of Egypt. They're not making other gods to worship. They're making a golden calf to represent who God is. 
And that's what the second commandment is telling us to do, is to not make God less, to not make him smaller, to not make him less than he actually is. So let me ask you a very silly question that hopefully you'll be able to have some responses to. Uh, What is the difference between the golden calf and God? Yeah, yeah, God is spirit. And the calf that they made out of things is there's an actual physical thing to it. So, right there, wrong. Something that they messed up right away. Yeah, what else? It's man made. Yeah, yeah, good. Um, They made it. They would have been able to go, hey, like I put this together and I formed this, I made it. And God is eternally uncreated, no origin, no author. So, that's a big difference that leads them to worship God incorrectly when they're worshiping the calf. Yeah. Yeah, 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 small, tiny, could probably fit in this room, not a good description of God, yeah, yeah, what else? (laughs) (laughs) Probably, we we can't be sure, yeah, (laughs) probably probably not, yeah, (laughs) pretty confident saying no udders, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, God is everywhere. God can move around, and the statue doesn't do super well at that. Can you guys think of anything else? Yeah. If God's like the, the head of all, then that's not technically like the, the strongest animal. Yeah. So like, yeah, they didn't even pick like a full-grown <laughs> cow. They made a tiny little calf, something manageable, something they could contain. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. They took a lot of gold out of Egypt with them. I think they could have made a bigger animal. They could have made like a dinosaur or something at least. Like, man, a calf. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, the calf can't exactly like talk to us. The calf doesn't hear us. Like if we were to pray to a statue, the statue's not going to hear us. It can't actually do anything. Like it's not like there's any; it has any power to help us or to be present in our lives. There's a lot of different ways. It's also like of minor value. Like, okay, gold, lots of gold, but that's just a small, small percentage of the infinite worth of who God is, of his infinite glory and strength and might in who he is. We have a tendency in our lives to try to do this to God. This is what the second commandment is teaching us, that we like to make God into a mascot or into a pet where it's more like we want God to be and less like how God actually is. We tend to turn the creator of the entire universe into something that is manageable, that doesn't ask too much from us, and that isn't actually big enough to be anything, isn't actually big enough to to make an impact in our own lives. I think that a lot of people tend to, depending on what their kind of history is, what their, what their, the things that they've experienced in their lives, a lot of people tend to emphasize or de-emphasize a specific aspect of who God is. Some people make God too much more about justice than God actually is. 
And then they do that in a way that leads to, there's no recognition of your own flaws or your own mistakes because you're all about holding God and his, his justice over other people. If you make God too, if you, if you emphasize God's sovereignty, like his control too much, well, then nothing that you do actually matters because God's just running everything and there's no, like, who cares what I do? God's, God's got everything. If you emphasize that God only brings good, right? If it's, if it's sunny outside, that's from God. And if it's raining outside, God's got nothing to do with that. Then what you've essentially done is you minimize God's control over even the bad things that are happening in the world. And if you overemphasize God's generosity, you can make him just a, a genie in a bottle. When I want something, I ask for it, and God is just this magical, wish-granting genie. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we just tend to often emphasize something about God that we, that's easier for us to deal with or that's easier for us to, um, to help out. So what do we, let's see, where am I? Yeah. What do we do about that? What is the way that we correct our tendency to make God less than what he actually is? To make God smaller and not as good as he is to worship him incorrectly because we don't actually know who he is the right way. So because the golden calf, this thing that we tend to build is a false teacher. It teaches us lies about who God actually is. And what's the antidote to a lie? How do you confront or fix something that's a lie? Uh, if I told you that the moon was made out of cheese, what, what, what would you say? John's maybe <laughs> not sure. <laughs> it's possible. If, What's that? <laughs> okay, if we say the moon isn't even real, how, how would I kind of maybe teach against that, that the moon's not real? Maybe go outside at night. <laughs> go to the moon. Yeah. Elon Musk. Yeah, Elon Musk. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if I told you that I can dunk a basketball. I believe it. I can yeah. All right. Okay. <laughs> you would find a basketball net and go, no, I am not going to let you get away with this. Well, you didn't specify how An actual basketball. Good loophole. Good loophole. But an actual basketball net. Yeah. I guess, I guess we'll never know. I guess, I guess there's no way of ever knowing if I can dunk. Yeah. Into what? Into. All right. If I told you that I have never been out of the country. Pictures have happened. Yeah, pictures. <laughs> I can show you pictures on my phone of me being in other places and being out of the country. There's proof. There's evidence of it. If I tell you that my knees are perfectly healthy and I'm not worried about my legs falling off. Uh, <laughs> some of you are laughing. I <laughs> so, <laughs> so Matt's a physical therapist and knows right. And were you were you there when I? Yes. Yeah. So Michael was there when my legs exploded. Um, so yeah, that was super fun. Yeah, like there's proof. You, there's there's tangible evidence about it. If I told you that I'm not married, yeah. Cool. Actually, actually, I can't find my ring. It fell off. I don't know where it is. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. Um, the way that we approach lies, the way that as Christians we confront lies about who God is, 
is we confront those lies with truth about who God is. In John chapter 4, when Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well, he says that true worshipers will worship God in spirit and in truth. The way that, if you read through like the epistles of Paul, the way that he confronts false beliefs and false actions about who God is, he doesn't complain about it. He doesn't like drag people as on and on as to why what they're doing is wrong. He simply oftentimes just presents the truth and just presents what is good and what God teaches us about who he is. It's really easy for us to believe lies about God if we don't actually know who God is, if we have not taken the time to get to know him, and if we don't love spending time with God. And there's probably, in, in, for every one of us, there's probably maybe some little ways or some big ways that we don't know who God is, that we have maybe a bit of an overemphasis on one aspect of God's character, or we don't have a big enough appreciation for one way that God is good. There's two main ways that God reveals himself to us through human history that God has spoken to us and has shown us who he is. These are really kind of basic Sunday school answers. Um, but God has spoken to us and has revealed himself to us through his word, through the Bible, and through Jesus. God made flesh living among us, representing God as who he really is. The reason why... We are not supposed to make images out of God. The reason why we're not supposed to make a representative to show who God is. Yeah, God has already done that. And we're not as good at making things as God is. And so God has already made a faithful representative of himself to be on display for all the world, to represent him here on earth. This is what happens in Genesis chapter 1. As God is creating everything, he creates us. God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. We bear God's image. We are his representatives. We are the stewards of creation. There's a lot of different nuances and ways that, that us being God's representative should affect the way that we live. But we do all of this imperfectly because we are broken, because we are sinners, because we don't know how to represent God correctly. Only one person in all of human history has ever been the perfect image bearer of God. Jesus was the perfect person who lived how we were first designed to live. I heard uh, someone speaking recently who, if you guys heard the story of Jesus out on the out on the sea, I think it's the Sea of Galilee, and the wind and the waves and everything is just going crazy, and, and he simply speaks and the water calms. And the person that was, that was preaching said, so this is actually an example of Jesus's humanity, of Jesus being the perfect human and being what we were designed to be, how we were created to be, God's representatives who are here on earth and have power and authority over things. And I just thought those, I never really thought about it that way. I just thought that was, that was pretty cool. Because in Jesus, we see how we were designed to be, who we were designed to be. And even better, because we cannot live up to that, because we cannot be like Jesus, Jesus 
gives us his power. Jesus gives us his Holy Spirit to live in us and to power us so that we can follow God, so that we can trust him and be reshaped and reformed into God's image. As we put sin to death in our life, as we run away from sin and run towards God, we slowly whittle away at what's in us that isn't in God's image and we become more and more like him. Uh, in, in the book of Revelation, at the very end of the story of the Bible, John has this, this vision of how the world ends. He has a vision of what Jesus' return will be like. And John uses the phrase, I saw. Like he's, it's a vision, so he's seeing things. It kind of makes sense. He uses the phrase, I saw, to describe things like 30, 33 different times. We don't see God right now. God is not like the golden calf. He is invisible. He is spirit. We don't see him here. But the last thing that John sees is the complete return of God. Jesus living among us and restoring us to living the way that we were designed to be. He makes the whole world new, and it's described as a new Jerusalem with God seated on the throne and fully present in our lives. When God makes things new, we will finally see him, and we will finally reflect him perfectly, and we will finally see him as God. Until then, uh, there's a couple different ways that I think the second commandment should affect the way that we live, should affect the way that we treat people around us. Uh, we need to treat other people better. Other people are also God's representative. They are also made in God's image, and that gives them dignity and worth and value. And so I am very often, I do not treat people the way that I should treat them. And so the second commandment is a reminder that people have been made in God's image and that we need to treat them better. We need to treat them as though they were made in God's image. We also need to have a higher understanding of what we are called to. Right? If we are also God's representative here on earth, that carries some weight to it. That carries some responsibility to it. We have purpose. We have meaning in our lives. And we are here to represent who God is. We also need to stop worshiping a smaller version of God. There are parts about who God is that I don't understand, that sometimes make me uncomfortable, that I, don't, that, I, that I just don't get. But I need to stop trying to put God in my pocket, trying to make him someone who he is not and make him less than who he is. We need to put a priority on worshiping God in, in truth, on actually understanding and seeking to understand who he is. Uh, I think that that is, oh yeah, uh, discussion questions. We usually split up and talk about some things. Let me pray for us real quick and then find some, find some groups, find some, some friends and some people. Uh, feel free to, this is something I tell the middle school leaders quite often. My, my discussion questions, sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not. Feel free to come up with your own things that you want to talk about, your own ways that you want to connect with the lesson, your own questions you want to ask to ask. Don't feel like you need to use these if you have better ideas and if you're smarter than me. That's very okay. It will probably happen. Uh, let's pray and then split up into groups. God, thank you so much for your love for us. God, we pray that we would have, that we would put a priority on understanding who you are, on seeing you as good and on worshiping you as you really are. God, we pray that this would help us to see other people as made in your image, that it would help us to, to treat them well and to, to show them love and compassion. 
God, I pray this all in your son's name. Amen.